0: Farmer recognition programs do more than pass out plaques. They raise awareness of how agriculture continues to advance. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. The agriculture industry does a solid job of recognizing those that have made a difference in this business, and Farm Progress sponsors many of those programs. Among those are two that focus on a couple of specialty crops, cotton and peanuts. Recently, the Farm Press team with Farm Progress held its event to recognize the high cotton winners. This is not a top-yield contest. Instead, it aims to shine the spotlight on producers across the cotton belt who are engaging sustainable practices and looking to the future. The second recognition program to be held this summer is the Peanut Efficiency Award, honoring producers who are also engaging in sustainable practices. Brad Hare, who heads up the Farm Press team, shares some insight on both programs and what they mean for agriculture. Brad Hare, welcome to Around Farm Progress.
1: Hey, Willie. It's good to be back with you, man.
0: It's good. hope things are going well down south. Uh, we're full of snow up where I am, and it's, uh, I'm hoping for winter to get over. <laughs>
1: We, uh, this past week, uh, all of our, and even last week over the weekend, we've been in the mid eighties. Um, Jeez. so when everything's springing out and we've got corn in the ground, we got a story coming up tomorrow on the first corn fields down in South Georgia being planted and, uh, they already getting it in the ground. Corn's already going in the ground down here.
0: Yep. And we're talking here right at the first of March and this podcast will be running on the ninth and this is, uh, the 10th. Sorry, but this is really cool because that means the work has started and the, and for a lot of guys, the fun really begins because I know it's pressure and work, but it's what we like to do, right? Get the, get the crop in the ground. Yes, sir. You're just coming off of a really interesting program. We've done this for a while at Farm Press, and that's our High Cotton winners, where we recognize people. But what is High Cotton? I don't want to summarize it wrong. Tell us about the High Cotton Award program.
1: Uh, Yeah, and I appreciate the opportunity to come and speak with you about our High Cotton program, Willie. um, And you know as much about it as much as anybody, but I'll be glad to talk about it. Um, This High Cotton Award program that we have specific to our Farm Press brands, our cotton cotton books, that – We started, this is actually our 29th class. And by class means we, with the High Cotton Award, we started some 29 years ago. Some really smart people started something. And what we do is we bring together, the program is basically to spotlight cotton excellence. And the excellence, of course, you know, can have a lot of terms. But the Cotton, High Cotton Award specifically looks at, obviously, production, return on investment, but also with very much an eye to sustainability and stewardship. The growers that are in our program that get awarded this are all leaders in sustainability and environmental uh, uh, land stewardship for their land and leaders. They're almost all uh, leaders and opinion makers and opinion shifters uh, in the group. So it's considered, we consider it the most prestigious award in the U.S. cotton industry. And we, and we have a lot of, <laughs> we have a hot, lot of high heeled, uh, Supporters who would go along with that. but Basically, what we do, Willie, really, is every year um, there's a nomination process for this. Mm-hmm. And we a lot of the industry leaders will nominate. And we get some great nominations. And sometimes we have to kind of pick one over some others. But the the what really what's unusual about it is this was started 29 years ago. Meaning back then, and it's in support with the Cotton Foundation, who is an organization, national organization for cotton, mm-hmm. connected with the National Cotton Council. They're our partners with it and provide us with support. And 29 years ago, these people got together to start this, the Farm Press and the Cotton uh, Foundation, to start looking at, let's highlight sustainability. Let's highlight what cotton growers are doing out there. Because, you know, cotton has had its reputation for not being so friendly. It's got a it's got a legacy of being unfriendly, certainly in our part of the world down here, you know, with erosion and back in the day when uh things were done a little bit differently, but started highlighting growers that are really looking at improving the land. And that that was not happening thirty years ago in the cotton industry. So it was kind of a, a, a leading indicator for that. Well
0: that's cool. And and when we talk about this, it is across all of cotton country because you've obviously got a California winter uh, honoree this year, um, you know, North, uh, South Carolina, Louisiana, and Texas. So you do cover all types of cotton across the country, right?
1: We do, and the way it's worked up, I thought about it and actually did the numbers over the past 29 years, doing that across the cotton belt, as you mentioned. That's right, because the cotton belt stretches, just like you said, you know, from Virginia all the way across to California, you know, around the Southern Belt. And even though you, it's, and I always say this, even though you go to a cotton farm anywhere in the country, and I've had the good pleasure to do that on several occasions, um, every one of them is unique. But i tell you what, one thing is it's all, they're very familiar to. Cotton is, uh, and I would say people that grow cotton are, or a unique group of farmers, and they like to get together and find out about how each other's doing, what they're doing, and it really is a family type. Uh, it's a specialty crop. We know that for us, it's not a specialty crop down here, but we no, know not there, <laughs> no sir. And you know, but compared to the corn the soil beans, and soybeans and acres and the number of farmers, it's obviously a specialty crop. But it brings special people coming together. But you're right, um and we've you know. I put numbers together, over 100 growers in the last 29, in fact, exactly 116 growers we've been able to honor with this high cotton award over the years. Um, and this year, for example, you're right, for the southeast, uh, we had Mr. Rusty Darby, him and his family farm in South Carolina. And he grows about 1,200 acres of cotton and uh, upland cotton, which would be the southeast top cotton. And um, the family has been growing cotton there for you know, almost 200 years. And he, uh, and let, I tell you what, let me, let me run down the winners while we're talking about like that. That'd be great. And for the mid, and it's an example of how we we'll go across the cotton belt. So that's Mr. Darby was our Southeast winner. And for the Midwest, we had a uh, Cody and Melanie Beavers and they grow in Louisiana about 3000 acres or so. Uh, uh, and they're, the, I when mean, I said about diversity, it's unique. Every grower farmer is unique, but they're similar. But Cody and Melanie are a young uh, farming couple that have not long been married. And they're an example of, uh, of, a, of a young couple. And Cody and Melanie both are leaders now, too, within the cotton industry. So that new breed of, I guess you would say, leadership that's coming up. So it was a pleasure to have them there. And honestly, Melanie is the agronomist. She's guy's the agronomist degree. She's the farmer. <laughs> and Cody is the businessman. But they work out real well together. And uh, th- There's an excellent future right there with Louisiana Cotton with the beavers coming up. And for the Southwest, we had... Um, the Texas family, the Williams family, it's, uh, the older gentleman is Mr. Mark and his son, Ryan, but we're talking when we say the Williams family, you know, there's a dozen people there farming on the farm and, uh, they farm about 18,000 acres. So, and they have, you know, five, or 6,000 acres of cotton. So they stay pretty busy as a family. (laughs) And, um, also leadership again, Mr. Mark was a a driving leadership. He's been to Washington with many a farm bill. He's not as able to do that as he used to be as he's gotten older, but he was one of the original people, you know, going up back for the farm bill, working with the cotton council. So there's just another leadership family there. And all of these again, are just with, with an eye to the land, but also the Western who would be uh, for your listeners, typically the Pima cotton is grown in the Western part of the United States. And that's the kind of real fine uh, cotton that's gone. It's called long staple cotton. that goes into your fine linens, your real soft feeling good stuff. And that's the, barcelo's family mr aaron he's the head of that family and they're based in california but um what we do is we bring them together willie uh in a partnership in conjunction with the mid-south Farm and gen show and yeah. that took place last week in memphis as you know so after we get our winners picked you know we each of our Uh, editors who do an outstanding job and I mentioned our editors for Southeast for John Hart he went and talked to Mr. Darby he did our visit for Mr. Darby we go and we visit spend time with these growers and it's not like a parachute in and parachute out it's a day and sometimes multiple days that these growers give our editors his access to their farm and their family and just rid of the nuts and bolts of how they produce cotton why they produce it uh, their feelings about it now and the future and Talk about their sustainability, those measures they do to uh, to give back to the land. Soil health is an incredibly big issue with cotton, and these guys all look for soil health when they go and put that cotton in the ground. Um, and also for the Mid South, Brent Murfer, our editor there, he went and visited with the Beavers in the same way as John met with the Southeast Winners Derby. And then Kelly, uh, Shelly, Hughley, our editor. And Southwest Farm Press visited with the Williams. And then out West, we had a double team with our editor, Tim here and our associate editor Todd Fischette. They visited the Barcelos out there as a team. And I say that because we go and we listen to them and the, the, the growers are so generous with their time and, and they care about teaching. They're every one of them's teachers and every one of them are leaders. And so, and so good at speaking and, and representing cotton. And that's what we strive to find with the high cotton award. Um, and that partnership we've had with the Cotton Foundation has allowed us to keep, keep going. And this year, class is as good or better. Uh, and we're glad we got the diversity in there, too, with a little bit older, some seasoned growers, some new growers. The Barcellos are dairy people, and they started years ago growing the Pima cotton as a supplement for their dairy operation. And so they're relatively new but already in leadership positions out there. And then, again, uh, Cody and Melanie Beavers, I mean, they're, they're in their late 20s, early 30s. And that's that next generation of of high cotton winners and high leaders that are coming along, and and we're able to showcase that with the program.
0: It's a a really interesting look at just where the cotton industry is, too. I mean, all of these people are leaders, but they've all had their struggles building their operations, going through this. I mean, you know, you talk about – Mr. Darby and, you know, 200 years, they've gone through, you know, the obviously depressions and all those things, and they kept that operation alive. It's just interesting. When you mentioned the Barcelos, obviously cottonseed is a really popular dairy feed. It makes perfect yeah. sense. They might raise that crop, although I'm not sure I would have chosen cotton, but that's a different <laughs> issue. Right? You're right. Well, like <laughs> they say about cotton, really, it's, uh, it's the one plant
1: that wants to die the first month. <laughs> It's yeah. planted, and then you just the one crop you can't kill at the end of the year. So it, it's one of those <laughs> things. But um, and you're right about the Barcellus, but also that Pima's is interesting. And and, and yeah. just talking about cotton, you know, the pima is a, is a small niche within a small niche being the cotton. Anyway, you know, there's only there used to be a million acres of pima, you know, 20 yeah. years ago out west, but now it's it's you know they'll be happy to get 150, 200 thousand acres now, and that's pushing it. Uh, again, the Barcelas, but, you know, at three dollars a pound, Pima uh, is very interesting for them to grow out there and they can grow. Oh Willie, they can get five and six bales per acre out there, which is incredible—an incredible yield.
0: <laughs> that is an incredible yield for, especially with Pima cotton. That's unbelievable numbers, as it was. I mean, I was in Phoenix a few weeks ago for a project, and standing in a field with some—it was a seed field, cotton seed field for another brand—and uh, they were getting five bale cotton, and they were very yeah. happy. So it's yeah, there's some. Yeah. Good, the West is good at raising a lot of cotton. But that brings up an interesting question. These all—they cotton acres flex. Up and down. I mean, we had more than a buck on the cotton lately, the regular upland cotton. It's back down to 80, 85 cents. Um, what's the mood out there when you're sitting with these guys at the gin show? What was the mood of the, the folks there? And how are they looking at 23 and beyond? Um,
1: it's, it's like, you know, when you get to these special and we call them special again down here. Mm-hmm. Like I've told you before, Willie, really, I was, you know, in high school before I realized the world I wasn't planting in peanuts and cotton. But <laughs> um, but you know, it's hard to stop. A cotton or for that matter, peanut growers, because a lot of times, you know, those they're the cousins down here. They're the, the main rotational crops for us. Yeah. Um, it's hard to stop a cotton grower from planting cotton, and it's hard to stop a peanut grower from growing peanuts, regardless of the market. That being said, the market and just the conditions, it's it's the purporting we've done recently and talk, but I say that talking to the guys at the gin show, mm-hmm. some would say if I could, if I could plant the whole farm in cotton, I would like Mr. Darby gave a story during the acceptance speech, which was phenomenal. Again, these are, these people are actually great speakers as well. Yeah. When they come go and speak that, you know, he, he told the story about going up in last year's cotton, you know, once he's planted it, he woke up in the middle of the night, he couldn't sleep. So he grabbed his flashlight, still in his PJs and his t-shirt and his truck. And, <laughs> had the dog on there with him, and he went out there in the middle of the night just to see if the cotton was coming up yet, and it was. And he would say, remember getting on the ground just tweezing it out with his, with his knife, pocket knife, just to see it coming up. And he was as, as sincere as a man as you can be about his passion for growing cotton. Same for all these growers. That said, without reporting what we're kind of hearing, there's going to be, uh, right now, there's going to be less cotton grown in the United States. And some, uh, it's you know, 15, 20% less than last year. We're talking maybe, Eleven, you know, eleven point two million acres for upland is what they're talking about right now. Um, and for extra long staple the Pima, uh, you know, maybe 180, 185,000, which is a um, not really a big decrease from last year. They stay kind of as long as they hold, as long as they can find the water out there. They yeah. stay pretty steady with that acreage right now. That's kind of their their sweet spot right now with acreage. Um, but the mood, you know, just like most farmers, you know, the inputs, the uncertainty with different things coming on. We've reported about it. Sometimes it, yep. it might be too yep. much, but I think that this is what's happening. We have to keep reporting it and just try to find it, help growers either listen to them or help find answers. But we'll see what those final numbers will be. But there'll be less cotton grown this year in the southeast and the south for, for, for compared to last year. And last year we had great yields. Uh, Yeah, you did. We had really good yields across. the Where our peanuts in the south took a hit, Uh, our cotton really shined uh, shined Hmm. last year. And it it really was pretty much due to – we finally had some decent harvest weather. You know, down here, harvest is – we we harvest, you know, between raindrops and hurricanes as best we can. And that this year – and, you know, being down at Expo like you were down in south Georgia this past, you know, October, it was good weather. And that's perfect harvest weather. Uh, for cotton so that really helped us with our yields this year and our, our cotton winners you know they're gonna keep growing and the passion with it um yeah i'll tell you what now that I'm think about it it's a side story we're talking about mr darby his passion he, he had a great speech and he and he is a leader uh, he's been a leader within the cotton industry for some time but here's a little side note have you ever seen the movie the patriot with mel gibson
0: uh been a while but yes the
1: most of the fighting scenes and others the, were, were filmed in Mr. Darby's land. That's where they filmed. <laughs> that's where they filmed the Patriot. He, and, uh, he had, you know, pictures. He talked to Mel Gibson, the producers and all that stuff. And, and, was there on the production to help train the bad guy? I think it was a bad guy, British guy in the movie. Uh, he helped train him on how to use a musket and stuff like. But anyway, <laughs> th- these these high cotton winners, their, their hands go many places.
0: So Absol- absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> and it's great to hear their stories and great to he- to highlight. Great cotton producers and the industry is so full of them, as you know, as you go to different places. But to shine a spotlight on the different regions every year like the hot cotton program does is just great. And we appreciate all the work that your team does to make that happen because there are beautiful uh, profiles as well, which there will be a link to the – One of the editions in this podcast so that people can go back and look at the digital edition that has the high cotton winners in it and read that because it's really a neat group of stories. And even a corn and soybean farmer uh, listening to this podcast might want to give it a look because these are family operations and they've been in their families for a long time. And like the young farmers, like you talk about the beavers, what are they looking at and how do they stay in the business? So there's some really neat uh, stories told in there, and we appreciate the work that you've done there. You know, you did mention peanuts, which opens the door. Uh, besides high cotton, we've got another program that's coming up later this year, and that's the is it the Peanut Efficiency Award? Tell me about that and what's going on there.
1: That's right. It's kind of our partner, uh, our sister award we have with the peanut industry, and we started it. It's been over 20 years ago as well. And mm-hmm. um, in fact, this will be our 23rd, our 23rd class this year, if I'm not mistaken um and it's a similar program it's kind of evolved over the years it started off as the peanut profitability award but by our good friend dr marshall lamb who partners with me uh with the usda he's been a partner with us and he's an economist but he helps us uh, with the he lends us his good name as well but he also helps us with the nomination process he has a formula and he has some uh, things that growers in the nomination form fill out. It helps us get that efficiency quotient, I should say. And we changed it to the Peanut Efficiency Award Program. This will be our fifth or sixth, sixth, sixth or seventh yeah. year with that new name. And it kind of we pulled it away from profitability and put more of that efficiency. Meaning we can start pulling in some of that sustainability message that again the peanut industry is pushing along with every other commodity, but the peanuts really been pushing it in the last six or seven years. And we've been able to partner in conjunction with them by changing our name and and helping to stay in tune with some of the messaging and some of the work that the peanut industry is doing together. But the peanut official award program, again, is our sister program. Similar to high cotton, we bring uh, it it highlights cotton, peanut farmers who often uh, are cotton farmers as well. But peanut farmers, uh, same thing, leadership. Uh, but they also, uh, you know, do conservation practices. But we also have a, like I said, a matrix that Dr. Marshall L. made up. They fill out, and it kind of spits us out like a number. You know, it's a yeah. little more, I guess, uh, you know, you know, a little more precise on kind of how we pick that sometimes. But the, yeah, that's right. We have a nomination process coming up. We actually have a few in already, which is the earliest we've had this year, which I'm surprised because. I think it's going to be a little challenging in some parts this year because peanuts were off and, yeah. you know, because we had a, a resurgence in the tomato spot of wilt virus uh, down around uh, Georgia and, and mainly in parts of Alabama where, you know, the majority of our peanuts are grown and, you know, peanut growers, you, we've gotten so used to having high yields any time an off year, you know, it seems like a, a, it spotlights, but, you know, but, all five or six hundred acres maybe uh five or six hundred pounds per acre but that being said we already got some growers coming in which i'm happy to say we'll get some early ones in and we partner with the southern peanut growers federation with their southern peanut growers conference and we that's where we present our peanut Official award we bring in winners from the upper southeast meaning the virginia and carolina we'll have a winner from there they grow mostly the uh the Bailey uh, type varieties, the one that you know you get the big ones you get at the ballparks, and then we have a also have a winner from the lower southeast, and that's more your runner types, so that's your peanut butter uh, type peanuts. And then we have we added the Delta because it was a growing peanut region. We added them again with the peanut fish about five six years ago, mm-hmm. and then we still have a winner from the southwest, from Texas and that Oklahoma, New and sometimes in Mexico they grow some out there. And so we'll highlight some of those growers. Again, just like we do with the high cotton, we'll go visit them on their farm and, and get their stories and what they do and how they do it and why they do it. And we bring them to the Southern Peanut Growers Conference, which is held in Florida each, each summer in July. And that's where we have our peanut breakfast there, where we uh, bring them down and, you know, let them speak and be part of that conference. And they're a major part of the conference, our grower panel we have with them after the breakfast is uh, always interesting with the questions we get and the interaction. And uh, it's a fun time, and it's a learning time.
0: That's cool. That's Panama City, right? It's been
1: in Panama City. This year it's going to be in Sandestin, Destin, Florida. So, Willie, really, if oh. you chose to come to it, this would
0: be the year, my friend. Yeah, yeah, better than <laughs> Panama City. But, yeah, uh, yeah, Florida in July, that's right on the top of my list. So uh, (laughs) actually i'll take warmth right now i'm in the winter country and it's been oddly cold and wet and raining and hot it's weird here so that's how that works well uh brad here this has been fascinating because highlighting you know our job as journalists is to shine the light and tell the stories of agriculture and your group is doing that these programs just enhance what that work is by helping us bring forward some stories that sometimes are difficult to tell. And these folks have come forward and tell those stories. So the you know the High Cotton Award, the Peanut Efficiency Award, always great profiles. And uh, thanks again for all the hard work your team does. And thanks for joining me today.
1: I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Willie.
0: All farmers work hard in this business and opportunities to recognize that work are important. The High Cotton and Peanut Efficiency Award programs show that farmers continue to raise their gain. Thanks to Brad Hare from Farm Press for offering a look at the winners and the program. This was an interesting topic. And if you don't want to miss what we're talking about here at Around Farm Progress, simply subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform, Apple spotify amazon and more and if you have a smart speaker all you have to do is tell it to listen to around farm progress and you'll hear the latest episode farm progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands as well as farm futures beef national hog farmer and feedstuffs and our events including the farm progress show husker harvest days the farm future summit and the new york farm show Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.